0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bizarre episode of the Mid-Mag Show podcast. Thanks about games, Frizzly Getting Better. I'm Ben Hanson, joined by what I can only describe as a stunned and confused-looking Imran Khan. I, I've aged 40 years in, since <laughs> I, we started this podcast, <laughs> I think. Oh, boy. Hey, Leo Vayner's here, too. Thank you. I've gotten younger. Oh, good. You know it's a very special episode of the podcast because it sounds different. If you're listening or watching this and you're saying, what is happening, and for the love of all that's holy, totally what's happening, we are recording live from gdc 2022 Uh, and leo how would you describe our hotel room do you think um it's got a window that's facing
1: out to a view of nothing but uh air conditioning technology and other hotel room
0: windows that's what we got so we Mm. decided well we'll,
1: that's kind of very squid game
0: yeah let's go to the heart of the beast and actually record from Moscone center center in san francisco where all of these panels for GDC are happening. So that is why it looks bizarre, mm-hmm. sounds bizarre, and that's why we're praying for your forgiveness, I think, as an audience, um, to just accept that this is going to be a weird show, you know? Please forgive us. Thank you. Yeah. Greg. Uh, Imran, thank you for being here. No From problem. Fanbite, welcome. Yeah, hi. Thank you so much for being here. You've been very patient. We've had a couple of technical snafus trying to set this thing up, and you've been the most patient, lovely guy as you're sitting there casually as we're getting all this stuff set up for way, way too long.
2: I had most of my appointments canceled today because GDC is a weird show this year. So I was like, all right, I got nothing to do. I'm just going to hang out with Ben and Leo until we get this working. (laughs) That's perfect.
0: We appreciate it. Um, We are at GDC 2022 uh, Game Developers Conference, if you're not familiar. Um, I have a bunch of questions and comments from people mm. that they submitted over on Patreon. Do you mind if I jump into these? Please. I think it helps kick it off. Uh, Jonathan here says, this might be a lame question, but how does it feel to be back at an in-person event? How's the feel around the venue? It's,
2: for me, it is very weird because Moscone Center, which is where we are, yeah. uh, was also the same place that was the emergency vaccination site for San Francisco. Oh, bizarre. Mm. So the last time I came here, I was like, I I got stu- I was stunned because like this is not what this is like this is this is GDC place like it's so weird to walk down these halls and it's like people getting like mass shots and having the where the press room is where I waited fifteen minutes to before they let me leave and all that stuff and now to come back here again and just be like it's so strange to like nothing happened they're selling GDC twenty twenty merch in the in the store yeah it's it it's almost like denial in a weird way but it's also feels it feels nice like I got really emotional seeing one of my friends who I've have not seen in years even though we live in the same city because I had a realization of oh I this is where I see them like I see them at gaming events I don't see them <laughs> regularly elsewhere el- or elsewhere so it's nice to be back but also there's a dissonance that I've not quite got rid of yet
0: yeah I've seen a couple reunions here i am just like walking around the halls and there are people that are just like losing their minds hugging each other yeah it feels like a scared big family reunion, you know, like everyone's still wearing masks. We're in like a back alley, so we took our mask off to record the podcast, and hoping that'll be okay. I'm sure security would not be a fan if they saw it, but hopefully, we got enough of a Just bubble. Make sure here. you're
1: sipping the entire episode slowly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Always have it within arm's reach. Um, yeah, but it's been fun. Like you know, the people at our hotel were talking about, like, oh, it's the first convention San Francisco has had. Period. Yeah, since I the think COVID so. outbreak. So it really feels like we are on the edge here. Of yeah bracing for impact but everybody seems to be happy to be together the weird part and the part that they don't really advertise in a big way is gdc if you're not familiar it's for game developers it's just a series of panels uh, game developers teaching each other different tips and tricks basically hot tips and tricks was the original name of the conference um but it's always hey here's how we did this here's how we're doing this um and so you're going into all these panels and maybe 20 to 30 percent of them you go into and then there's not somebody up on the stage. It's just somebody calling in remotely from France or Montreal, and it's just this weird feeling of like, okay, they don't let you know ahead of time. But sometimes we're just going to be sitting with a big group of people watching a Zoom call, mm-hmm. which is bizarre. Yeah.
1: Yeah, drawing a short straw. Yeah. That's what that feels like. Right. Right. Whoops! I <laughs> went to one of these.
0: <laughs> uh, Leo, this is your first gaming convention.
1: Yeah. That's pretty so much. bizarre. Yeah, I went to Minneapolis Comic Con and maybe a couple other tiny ones. But yeah, I've never been to anything like this, and it's been really fun. Mm-hmm. It's like like you're saying about sharing tips and tricks with each other. It's just been cool how like collaborative the game industry is and yeah. how it's like we spent years figuring this out here's everything we learned so that you don't have to yeah. waste those years.
2: I went to a panel for uh, what I thought was about writing Guardians of the Galaxy because that game is very well written. I was like, oh, that's going to be really interesting. It turned out to be about the technology behind the banter system in that game, which is also really interesting. Yeah. Because like, they use a specific tool to make sure that like, where you're standing and what you're looking at determines what the other characters say and what they have you look like because that determines how they give you hints in that game. So it's like, oh, they're using new technology. And, like, I saw other developers, like, oh, this is really cool. This
0: is really neat to find out. And other writers have been like, this is going to be very useful for our own game. Totally. That is, I think, the beautiful part is just realizing, oh, this entire conference, it's people flying all over from the entire world just to, like, share info and knowledge with each other. (laughs) It feels like some beautiful... Greek assembly from back in the days yeah. of yore. It's it's too beautiful, too beautiful, too beautiful to live in some ways. <laughs> yeah, they throw around the word
1: summit. There's all sorts of mini summits happening yeah. on, like specifically level design or AI. So obviously, it's a lot about networking and seems to be a lot about hiring this year. Yeah everybody's trying to get each other to come work for them instead
2: because like the first day of this conference they uh steve project red announced the witcher game yeah and the reason they did that is because they're like handing out cards to people being like come work with us on the new witcher game which would have leaked if they just you know told people right so they might as well have
0: announced it like yeah just a super soft tease so what do we know about it there's a teaser with what
2: yeah they say it's a new saga okay uh the medallion they showed was not a wolf so it's not Geralt. Uh, it was a Lynx, I think they've outright said. Right. So it's probably not Siri either. So that's all we know. Like, and and also it's on on Unreal 5. So it's not their, not their cyberpunk engine, which they probably have overextended at this point. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that like, if they're still going to be working on some cyberpunk stuff, still like that multiplayer cyberpunk thing, have they confirmed if that's dead or not? They didn't say it's dead, that's paused. So uh-huh. they're,
1: they're,
2: they're still can't working. You on... multiplayer.
1: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> they're still working on some. They're still working on DLC, but yeah. multiplayer is probably going to be like a maybe when things get
0: done. That's strange. Yeah, I think that's one of the big takeaways. Is like not only was that the biggest pieces of news that's broken from GDC twenty twenty two was hey there's a new Witcher game technically announced even though it's just a short little teaser. But then being at the show floor, it's wild because City Project Red is everywhere. Yeah, um, and they're all wearing identical shirts that say The Witcher on the back, and then see if there's any around us right now. Um, and then also like Cyberpunk on the back, and then it just says, join us. Like they're yeah. really, really big into recruiting. There's and, 60 of them. Yep, yep, <laughs> I was sitting next to them, um, like a, a whole gaggle of City Project Redites, I believe it was they prefer to be called. Um, and it was at a panel, so I was just talking about it. And yeah, they sent 60 people over, it's, it's amazing. And the part that I completely forgot about, but um, there's also a bunch of people from Molasses Flood here, mm. uh, the studio out in Boston and I forgot that last year C Project Red bought them and so they're also probably working on stuff so like that makes the CD Project Red team even larger for their presence at GDC here yeah. so it's really dominating on the show floor or maybe just other developers don't have the matching uniform look and stuff so <laughs> to tell
1: they're it's, easy to pick out yeah if you if you want us to yell anything at them let us
0: know
2: yeah, yeah. we'd appreciate it I, I said Witcher 3 was pretty good and they're like yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. totally yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I talked to them a little bit and just felt like hey, I really like that Sinner Man quest in Cyberpunk 2077 they were like oh, thank you thank that's you what we so were much. going for yeah <laughs> <We're> hopefully <hoping> people <laughs> like it um, it's, it's very bizarre though. like um, I was sitting next to them at uh, it was a panel all about the art design for uh, Horizon Forbidden West mm-hmm. and it was a, a funny moment where I was talking to them before the panel began I was like oh, what are you looking forward to this panel they are like oh my gosh we love Horizon Forbidden West so much like the art is just unbelievable and they're like and I don't know how they got that running on a PlayStation 4 like it is mind blowing <laughs> it's very funny to hear Cyberpunk like the Cyberpunk team talk about like how were you able to do anything with that generation of hardware it took and us then, an extra year right yeah. <laughs> and then yeah and then during the panel itself uh, when it was I guess wrapping up somebody got up and asked a question and they asked like yeah, how are you able to make this run into ps4 and like the cd project red team like literally laughed out loud and then kind of gave like a oh <laughs> look as the person was asking okay. now everyone just gets to laugh about it it was a real <laughs> hoot the pain they all went through
1: you know what's interesting is that like the assumption of no knowledge as much as it is like some panels are remarkably tech dense it's like i went to a Deathloop one and they like spend a good portion setting up the basics of what Deathloop even Yes.
0: Yes. It's kind of frustrating. Like you want to dive right into the weeds. Is that just marketing at that point you think? There definitely is an element of marketing of the panelists
1: wanting to get eyes on their game but in the case of Deathloop I think it's just like we don't want anybody to be confused. We're not going to assume people in working in this busy-ass industry or people work crazy hours have been yeah. able to get to every major
0: release of the past few years. Yeah, it's bizarre. You know, I've gone to a bunch of great panels, like, hey, the animation of Ratchet & Clank, which is, like, that's the ultimate fun of these panels, I think, is just kind of being reminded how much amazing work has gone into these games, and you just get to focus and look at, like, a bunch of GIFs of amazing animated parts of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. But then again, yeah, the first... 20 minutes is explaining Wretched Clank and who Rivet was and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: And that Guardians of the Galaxy panel, one of the my favorite parts of it was when they were showing the in development aspect of like they showed the video of like this is the final build of the game. Yeah. This is like the actual scene we're talking about. They showed the in development version, which is like mostly text speech and also developer voice acting. Ooh, fun. Which is like, oh, that's super cool that they're actually showing that stuff.
0: <laughs> that's great. Yeah. There was, um, I went to a panel that was all about the flashback sequence in, like uh, the museum flashback for The Last of Us Part Two. Um, and they showed, like, the first 3D build-out of that environment and what it looked like, and I, I tweeted it out. I think I retweeted it maybe from the Midmax account on Twitter and stuff. But um, it was just very fun to see, like, that dinosaur sculpture outside, but you see it just look like a green blob. And it's like, you know, PlayStation's so tight, they would mm-hmm. never show that in a big way. But, like, okay, if they're just amongst game developers, they can be a little more open and honest, yeah. and then the press gets to sneak in and ruin yeah. everything. Right. By describing it.
2: <laughs> you, you saying that just now made me realize, this is the f- first time we're, like... Because The Last of Us 2 was a pandemic game. Like, it came when out I'm... middle of 2020. Yeah. So, like, this is the first GDC where they actually get to go, like, look at all the stuff we did that we want to talk about.
1: Yeah. Definitely. It's interesting, too, because it's like, that if GDC was around then, that's what people would be talking about. But as far as this GDC right now, everybody's talking about Elden Ring.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just in case you curious, yeah, what it's like to yeah. talk to developers these days. It's just a lot of picking each other's brains about Elden Ring and how they pulled it off. That's yeah. how you start a conversation with anybody in this <laughs> giant building.
2: I think I've had, like, 17 Elden Ring conversations already. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah, what have you thought about just, like, talking to people, Leo? Getting around? I mean, it's the most you've interacted with developers? I guess outside of, like, studio visits and stuff? Yeah,
1: outside of studio visits, certainly. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little socially closed off with people i don't know and that's what i'm remembering and maybe it's like skills that have atrophied even more because of pandemic stuff yeah but it's like whatever networking goals i could possibly get out of this (laughs) i'm not achieving them (laughs) damn it i mean you've You've been handing out your business
0: cards right oh yeah have you handed out one no leo (laughs) we spent 60 dollars on those give them away what are they gonna do with them (laughs) <laughs> what are you gonna do with collecting other people? So you just put them in your pocket. I don't do, do that either. Okay, well, tell you, after this, we'll go back down to that expo hall, and you can just hand out your card to everybody you see. Something might happen. Something might yeah. pop up. You, you never get, know. You know. It's getting know. the word <laughs> min-max out there. If you a need bit a more. cohort, <laughs> if you're hiring cohorts. <laughs> Don't come for me. I'm taken.
1: Right. Thank I was doing a,
2: a demo today, and like I mentioned, oh yeah, I'm gonna go record a Min Max podcast after this. And the PR person was like, Ben Hanson's here. Shut up. Really? <laughs> I, I wish we had time like to put him in the demo. Oh, they filled up sweet. their demo slot, so they didn't have a chance. But like I was like, go find
0: him. I'm sure that's, he'd love it. That's very sweet. Yeah. I've got, I've had like two or three people say so like oh ben hansen from min max and it's impressive because like we're in the mask all over the place like yeah. Yeah. recognizing people is really hard walking yes. with you
1: multiple people just yell ben hansen at us yes. really
0: <laughs> at you specifically <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, i'm with you <laughs> oh okay that helps that helps yeah it feels like uh this is the ultimate like game industry trivia challenge forget trivia tower right because yeah. it is just <laughs> like walking around how many people can you identify by their eyes alone and then even if you get a chance to glance at the name tag, then you know, it's kind of fun to just do that mental math of like looking at the name of the studio trying to remember oh what have they developed again what are the ill who are they the developers <laughs> and what are they working on like just have that ultimate trivia in your head of like okay you're talking to somebody from I'm trying to think of an example uh of just like okay you know i was waiting for a panel to start and talking to a bunch of folks from monolith and it's like okay yeah, Wonder Woman's what they're working on. Okay, mm-hmm. let's talk about Wonder Woman a little bit, but not too much. I don't want to freak them out and think that I'm trying to get a hot press scoop or something. Right. Like,
2: I was talking to someone for, like, five minutes because, like, my partner knew them and I didn't. And then I didn't realize until, like, midway through the conversation that it was Greg Lobanov who made Chicory. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, I wanted to see your panel today, and I forgot of it. Like, it's it was just really cool. Like, oh, you just walk around, like, as if you didn't make one of the best games last
0: year. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> That's the amazing part. Yeah, I was... Um, I was prepping for the podcast just on a little table over there. It's just a little cute table. You would have loved it, Leah. Um, and then this guy came up and he's like, hey, can we um, clear this table? He was with GDC. Um, and then I was, the guy I was sitting next to was like eating. She's so like, okay, never mind, never mind. I guess we'll clear this one over here. And then he was clearing it out because it was like after each panel... They always, if there are lingering questions, they have the developer kind of walk outside and take pickup questions and additional questions and stuff. And they needed a space for after John Romero's panel, hmm. where he was talking about Wolfenstein 3D. And so it was just an amazing moment of like, I just got to be sitting next to the table where everybody just lost their minds and got to geek out. Just a bunch of super young developers talking to John Romero and just asking him a ton of questions about like, you know, the music of Doom and like, oh, what are you playing these days? What do you think about VR? And just like hearing him holding court and talking to like these young 20-year-olds and he was so polite and so sweet. And he talked for like, sorry to eavesdrop on John Romero, hopefully this isn't a hot scoop, but he talked for like 15 minutes about how much he loves the artful escape. <laughs> <That indie games. laughs> He's awesome. like, seriously, you all need to play the artful escape telling these kids. Like, oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, that's, that's the magic of GDC, just like seeing those bizarre developer interactions. Yeah.
2: The fun part is now that the expo, expo floor is open, yeah. I want to go down there and see what developers are playing. Ooh. Like, I, that was the, the, one of the more fun things of previous years was, like, a lot of, I remember a lot of developers were go- gathering around Goose Game, until Goose Game. Yeah. It's like, oh, this thing rules. Why is no one talking about this?
0: <laughs> yeah, Leo and I walked through it quickly. We didn't look at too much of the IGF stuff, but we looked at the, um, the like, uh, what do they call it? Just weird controller area. Alt control, yeah. Alt control, where... Um, Uh, What did you see? It was like a minecart controller. Yeah, the (laughs) the old west thing where two people railroad pump thing. Yeah, there was a
1: screen on either side of them. Yeah, one you know going backward, one going forward to show each perspective. There were people playing like a stock selling game where they picked up rotary
0: phones and talked into them to (laughs) to sell. It seemed pretty cool. Um, Which, by the way, we're making a travel log video. Which I mean, get hyped up for that. (laughs) Look out, Citizen Kane. If you're ready for a bunch of random confusing shots of people about to eat their food and looking confused you're going to love this traveling it'll be up on minimax's youtube channel uh probably this weekend just kind of give you a highlight whirlwind tour of what it's like to actually be at gdc outside of this beautiful (laughs) backdrop that you see now
1: this is what it's like though i spent a good amount of time back here behind pan between panels
2: Mm.
0: just breathing heavily (laughs) (laughs) um hey we got another question from brett hunter Hunter of Bretts himself. He says, hello, gang. Uh, glad to hear that GDC is back with an in-person attendance. I always hear about GDC and see people in the industry posting about it, but have never really known much about it. Obviously, the event is more so for people in the industry to network and learn. But this is but is this something the general public should be paying more attention to? That's a great question. Hmm. I always
2: feel bad. Like, especially during the Game Informer days and here, yeah, like... I shouldn't be here. Totally. Like, I'm, yeah. here, I'm here to network and like, you know, go to the parties and whatever, but like, I feel so bad when I take a demo and these people are just locked in a hotel room having to show me their game when they should be going to these panels and like hearing about all this stuff that yeah. doesn't really... Like, I just look at it and go, neat. And, but they, they can learn from it, and I really can't. So I, I feel terrible that I'm the one taking their time because logically this is, this is a game developer conference. Games Press and
0: others probably shouldn't be here. Yeah, that's fair, but they want to invite press just yes. so people talk about it and get the word All out right. of it. So more developers want to come and it yeah. seems like well attended enough this year. I know some of the big names aren't here and whatnot, but again, it has a smaller, more intimate, intimate feel. I suppose. Have, have you guys been to any panels that are completely dead? Not mm. yet. I
2: Mm-mm. I went to one that the room was like half full, I think, but like yeah. that's the lowest I've seen it so far.
1: Yeah, the deadest one I've been to was for Riders Republic world design. It was it was a giant room, but it was like a quarter filled. Mm. But that were they all
0: like dressed as pandas or unicorns or whatever the hell. And they were hooting and hollering. <laughs> okay, for cool. Sure. What's up,
2: Brazil? Yeah. Whatever they say in that game. I think that's probably wise too. Like you, you wanna have a more empty space in rooms than so people can spread out a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 I don't know
2: how intentional it is, but yeah, <laughs> it worked out.
0: Uh, so Leo and I are going to unpack all the details for the panels that we've been to because we've been just rapid firing through all these panels uh, throughout the entire week. And so that's going to be a Patreon exclusive podcast. It's going to be us in our hotel room rambling on and breaking down bit by bit, like what the most interesting standout details were from all these cool panels with cool developers and all that stuff. I've been taking a lot of notes. Yeah, uh, pages and pages and pages of notes. So, if you want to get geeky and learn what GDC is actually like in a more intimate setting, you can always support us on Patreon. We'd appreciate the support. And then you unlock the podcast version of that on your favorite podcast app, Leo. Which is, of course, Overcast. Stitcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, you know, their own.
2: I don't even know Stitcher's an app. Like, could be. I don't know if it's a podcast app either.
0: Yeah. Um, big themes, Imran. What, what stats you have from GDC so far this year? Uh...
2: I don't. For me, I think the biggest takeaway of GDC this year is everyone feel feels like they're kind of in a holding pattern in terms of, like, new tech. Hmm. I, I think, like, the new systems are out, and I think there's a lot of people who are like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. We're still trying to figure out what we can do with it. We don't know exactly how to bring out the full power of the new consoles. We don't really know what's coming next. Hmm. Like, this is, I think, well, a couple of developers I talked to have already, are already talking about, like, already talking about twenty twenty five projects of like, oh, this is gonna be real cool once you get to that year. Really? Yeah. That's like a like even triple A developers are just talking about like we're just starting on the new things. Like really I mean honestly I, I can understand why they think it's very cool of uh, we haven't even like scratched the surface yet. Right, There's, right. The stuff we've seen so far is, you know, the early goings on with the stuff. Like I don't know if I can get into specifics I don't want to like give away anyone's, you know, ideas or development schedule or whatever. But they were talking about like very cool things are able to do with the ssd with especially open world design that they you can kind of do it now but the cross-gen nature is kind of holding it back a little bit Hmm. but they're they're working on some stuff that i forget exactly how they described it to me it was something like imagine if you were playing elden ring but there was nothing stopping you from like meeting or nothing stopping you from going into any area and it being exactly as open as what you just came out of
0: okay I don't know, <laughs> it, it, folks at home. Is that is that getting your blood flowing? Is that exciting? to you? Is Elden Ring not good enough, everybody? For,
2: for <laughs> developers, I can understand the logic, though. So. Sure,
0: I guess. My
1: dream for the last twenty eight years of my life has been an open world game where you can go in all the buildings. Right. Yeah. It sounds right, right. like an SSD is going to help with that.
2: It will help. I, resource manager is still the bigger
0: problem there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably GTA Six will be our best bet for i somebody hope that's really they go with that. just going bananas on
2: that front <laughs> well, like i would have to imagine that's what it is right mm-hmm. uh, i saw one developer i was talking to was talking about uh they didn't work on gta 6 but they knew about it mm. so what they were saying is one of the things they wanted to do is they wanted to make every street on or they wanted to for their game make every street as big and graphically for fi- the graphical fidelity of gta 6 But as intimate as Disco Elysium, in terms of you can talk to everyone, you can go in anywhere, you can like you will you know everything about that area. Wait, so this person was
0: inspired by what they knew about GTA Six for their own game?
2: Yes. Huh.
0: What are and are Which are going like, be to beat <laughs> Rockstar to
1: getting
2: it out? <laughs> I, I like again. It's all aspirational because, like you know, yeah, m- money and time and all those things. are. Sure. But this is where everyone comes to be like, what if we do the biggest possible thing? And then when they go home, they're like, okay, let's pare that down to something reasonable. Right. Right. Yeah. right.
0: This is part where you get inspired and take a million notes and say, we can do it all. <laughs> this is going to be great. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like other big themes for GDC this year, and it was really. Uh, Maybe not coincidental timing, but interesting timing that, like, you know, the weekend or the week before GDC, there are several big bombshell reports about, like, hey, studio management for some of these indies is a little bit rough. Yeah. Um, And so, like, you know, just anecdotally, I was talking to... Here's the thing, Leo. Like, the panels, they're all well and good, but I found... Like the real the real kitten caboodle, the real meat and potatoes Mm -hmm. is like talking to people, just sitting next to somebody and then talking to them before the panel starts. Just like that ten minute window. Mm. It's like, hey, where are you from? And no matter what they are, you learn something new, like somebody makes casino games, somebody works on the chips that goes in every cell phone. Just like it's it's just fascinating to have all these little pockets. But one person I talked to um was this trans woman and she was talking about, like, yeah, I really wanna um leave the studio I'm at in France and find a place to work. She's like but I, I just, it's tough to get a read for all the recruiters here for like studio culture. And like, what is that going to be like for me if I actually decide to move to the States or yeah. to Canada to work? And I think that's an overwhelming vibe here. Is this everybody a little bit on edge about just how much the industry has been rocked recently?
1: Yeah, a lot of people for sure, but there's like, Certainly panels about crunch. There's one on, like, mm. the physiological effects of crunch. Yeah. yeah. It, but there's also, like, at a panel I went to about uh, running a writer's room. They were talking about how as a lead writer, like, you need to be on call 24-7. Your writers need to know that they can talk to you any moment of the day. Yeah. Which was, like, just felt really tone deaf to me. <laughs> huh. As far as where the industry's trying to go.
2: Yeah. I was, I was talking to someone earlier who was here to hire people for their studio. Mm-hmm. And they were saying... Yeah, everyone I've talked to, we, like they, I give them the sales pitch and like we talk a little bit about studio culture and all that, and then they're like, "I I'm interested, but I don't want to do anything with NFTs or blockchain." Yeah, and like that seems to be a very per- pervasive question of like, does your studio plan to do this? Does your publisher plan to do this? Because if so, I'm not in. I'm like that's, that's not technology. Great to hear. Yeah,
1: there's there were people behind me at a panel before it started talking about how annoyed they were about the, all the NFT stuff. Yeah, and then down at the Sage today at the, like, expo with the games and everything, there were, like, dozens of NFT booths. Yeah. It's like there's a warring factions in the, <laughs> underneath the surface <laughs> here right
2: now. But well, people who who were, like, cutting the checks are like, oh, free money. We can do stuff with this. And everyone who's actually doing the work is going, no, this is not what you think it is. Yes. Please don't make yeah. us do anything with yeah. this
0: nonsense. Um, what did you think about um, the, so, if you didn't catch it, People Make Games, uh, a great YouTube channel. Um, they posted a video recently um, that was based on a lot of the reporting, just talking about, hey, there's uh, these studios um, where the management has not been ideal. And mm. one of them was Fulbright, uh, developers of Gone Home and Tacoma, um, which Polygon kind of reported on yeah. a while ago about, like, yeah, a lot of women in particular were ready to get out of that studio based on that management from from Steve Gaynor. Um, and then another one was Phenomena. Mm. Who made with Tom and Robin Haniky? Like she is just a
2: she hosted the GDC awards a couple of years ago. Yeah,
0: wow! Very renowned figure in the industry. And I don't, I haven't seen her yet. here. She was here the year. first day. Have is not seen right? her since. I mean, that's a bizarre time for her to yeah, be in this I imagine, crowd where everybody knows that this big report just came out about, like, yeah. eh, not the greatest to work for. Well, she,
2: she was here the first day, and then she posted that really, really bad tweet apologizing for all that stuff. Oh, I didn't see that. The, the tweet was, like, the most passive voice apology of, I'm sorry for the people. It was, like, the people I've hurt in the areas I was in or something like that. It was something really ridiculous. Okay. I imagine she got called out on it here and then just left. But yeah, who knows? Like um, yeah, it, it's a there's larger comes here. here. Uh, usually, every year in the past, like 2017. Just
0: see, so just if you can't see it, there is what do I describe as a bulldozer slowly rolling <laughs> towards us off I'm, camera. I'm
1: realizing we're near the trash can elevator. That's <laughs> 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 where we chose to set up.
2: <laughs> but uh, every year in the past few years, there was uh, a. Video game unionization panel, mm. and I I reported on for GI a couple of years, and obviously there wasn't in the last two years, mm-hmm. uh, but this year there wasn't, and I've been asking people like, what was the reason for that? Why is there not? And no one's been able to really answer me. I'm there's a couple of booths in the in the expo area that I'm gonna check out and go talk to them about that, but it's very interesting that even though there's all the more reason to have one this year yeah. with like you know all the stuff of with happened to Ubisoft, what happened with uh Activision Blizzard. There's just no talk about it, at least in the official channels.
1: Do people still submit panel ideas to GDC? Of like, yes. I want to run this panel. Yes. They don't like reach out to people, but they they, still approve they do
2: them. reach out to people too. But they they have to approve the panel, right? So I I have heard this year they ended up cutting a lot of really interesting panel idea. Uh, really interesting is the Eye Beholder, but like they mm-hmm. cut a lot of ideas because they're like, oh well, we have someone already covering that same subject or in. A lot of people who were trying to submit those talks were like, no, this is not the same at all. Hmm. So
1: Hmm.
2: I I don't, it's under new ownership this year. So I don't really know like what the reasoning is or if anyone's, you know, being a bit more strict on that sort of thing. But it does seem like a lot of the unionization, crunch, harassment talks are a little, in my talks, I mean, conversations around the, around JDC are a little more tamped down than they were in previous years.
0: That's interesting. I mean, I wonder if next year it's going to be ratcheting up. It just seems like the industry is always a little bit slow to... Yeah. All right, now let's finally fully address this. Um, And, you know, we talked a little bit when talking about uh, the problems with Activision and Blizzard not too long ago on the podcast. Just that feeling like, yeah, it's just... The industry overall has a lot of problems. It's not so easy just to quarantine and be like, Activision, Blizzard, they're the naughty ones. Right. Everyone else is totally pure. It's like, no, no, there's just some deep problems with studio management throughout the history of yeah. this industry. If you asked yeah. me if
2: like Phenomena was going to be like one of those places, I would right? be like, no, that seems great.
0: Right. <laughs> they really pride themselves. Oh, we're wide open. And yeah. it turns out, maybe a couple places, uh, too wide open. Another one was uh, Mountains, the developers of Florence. That was another one. And there people the yeah. Games Video um, about just pretty cruel leadership yeah. um, at times like you watch that video did you have a, did you have a takeaway from that
1: yeah i mean another one that people would say was surprising and it's yeah. not like you can ever tell by from the outside right but it's yeah it really sucks as much as you could ever separate art from artist in any category it's like just knowing that for s- that type of experience that like short term high emotion like all about how genuine it is it's like mm-hmm. how could you ever appreciate that again, playing it now knowing yeah. what leadership
0: behind that game was yeah. putting their people through. Yeah, and another one that copy people off guard was, I think it was GamesBeat that had the article about Moon, Moon Studio. Yeah. Right, the developers of Ori, and the overriding sense is, hey, very peaceful, lovely, kind game, and then with behind the scenes, I guess it was just <laughs> pretty brutal, a lot of turnover, uh, the heads of the studio kind of prided themselves and like, we don't play by the rules. We're gonna make a bunch of raunchy jokes in the slack, and everyone was just like, "There's part of the article where they talked about like, the jokes weren't even that offensive. They were just so bad and dumb. It was just like 13-year-olds running a studio making a bunch of, you know, anti-Semitic jokes. And it's like what are we doing here? This <laughs> is so a game studio, everybody.
2: They didn't contact me about this, but Quantic Dream has been in contact with a number of devel- our journalists here. Uh, to pitch a story to them, which is again not how that works, uh, <laughs> of the culture that Quantic Dream is changing,
0: mm. and
2: I, one, I don't know if that's true. Two, you can't you can't tell journalists just like show up like, hey, do you want to do this story? Right. Because once you do, all the employees are aware of it, and then you're never going to get a straight answer. Like, so I think a lot of studios are trying. It's a complicated question of when are you allowed to say you've improved and when are you not? And yeah. I don't think the industry is old enough for us to really know, like have an actual precedent for, or answer for that.
0: I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, when are people going to stop putting disclaimers on their articles about Activision Blizzard? Yeah. It's like, uh, they seem to be on the right path. Maybe. Like, does Microsoft, ch- once they get bought by Microsoft, does that change things? Right. Or right. Like- um, yeah. It's, it's a weird time in the industry. And, you know, I talk about the, separating the art from the artist thing i feel like that was really um crystallized last week in the game industry as well and i'm around i'm curious for your take on this but the hogwarts legacy Mm. state of play um where it's the new game from avalanche the studio that made disney infinity and whatnot they're they're back in power and, and making a new game and it's the big open world rpg action rpg set in the harry potter universe um and it's one of those things where everybody has to make their own call. Yeah. What they think about J.K. Rowling, what they think about this game, whether it's like, okay, oh, can, you, can you do some offsetting of like, okay, I want to play this game and, and buy it because the developers are doing great work. Do I then just donate to help trans kids to try and offset that based on what J.K. Rowling has done? But the point is, I, what I was fascinated by is just, I really don't care about Harry Potter. I've seen the movies. I watched that State of Play and I was stunned by how good that game looked.
2: Yeah, it looks like a good and, game, obviously. And maybe
0: I just wasn't on Twitter in the right pocket, but it feels like this feels like it should be one of the most anticipated games of the year, like right up there with probably right below like a, a God of War and a Starfield, but I feel like everyone is just scared to touch it with a 10-foot pole because yeah. of J.K. Rowling.
2: I mean, yeah, like you're saying, it's a it's an individual's choice. Like, I'm never gonna say, oh, let's boycott this thing or whatever, but also I made the choice personally that I'm just not gonna cover it because I don't Rowling is not involved. She's not involved in so much as she's not like developing the game actively or anything. Right. If they say that game is canon with the Harry Potter story, then she's involved in some way.
0: Yeah, Uh, and she still will profit off of it in some way. We'd have to imagine, right?
2: Yeah, she will financially benefit, and as long as her name is attached to that thing, it's it's dicey to say like, oh, I support this or whatever, because it does. She is a, a transphobe, and like trying to offset whatever doesn't like you can't really do that there's it's not like a one-to-one difference if you if you want to play the game go for it i i personally don't care like uh but sometimes you have to look at like what you feel you can contribute what you can't contribute or what you think is right or what you i've played games from people that i think Probably, I'm holding an iPhone right now. They're like, <laughs> the, you can't boycott everything that's problematic. Right. Yeah, but right. there are times you can go. I don't really think that th- I, I. I don't think I can cross this line personally.
1: Yeah, yeah. I and mean, we're talking about you know the games press and specific spheres of Twitter. Like this game will sell two trillion copies. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But it's like, it's just that there. It's not that we're like afraid if we say this looks good, people will like dogpile on us. It's like. At least for me, I guess I can't speak for everybody, but it's like, (laughs) when it comes to the question of should I, like, tweet about how good this looks, I just don't want to help promote it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, I want to stop short of that. I'll probably play it. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I was looking at it, just think about, like, how many developers are busting their butt on that game, and it looks like... I mean, Leo, I know you're a Harry Potter fan. I remember you loved that PlayStation 1 Harry Potter game, right? Or uh, um, PC, uh, Harry Potter, and Chamber of Secrets. Right. And I remember you were like, oh, it was great because you could, like, explore the school. And it yeah. was so cool. And, like, that just feels like this game. Like, if you haven't seen that trailer, that state of play, it is just, hey, open world Hogwarts. Go explore. We have secrets all around the castle. Learn new spells. Go to classes. It's, like, this, like, hub room, the room of requirement, you're, like... Watering plants that yeah. grow over time. Yeah, it just feels like this feels like the Harry Potter game that fans have been screaming for for decades. And here it is with the world's biggest asterisk because JK Rowling will not shut up on yeah. Twitter. Yeah.
2: Like, I, I understand, I actually do understand the idea of it's not the developer's fault. Totally. And, but I don't think you can logically extend that to you should support developers this way. Because right. by that logic, you go, t- you're like, okay, then do you buy every single game? It's, these are all individual <laughs> choices. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, a, a good example is uh, Disney is currently involved with the they're, – they're not saying anything about the Florida don't say gay bill. Right, right, right. And Disney holds so much actual political control in Florida that they could, if they did say something, actually meaningfully affect that. Right. That said, I still watch that Miss Marvel trailer, and I'm like, oh, it's really good. They're having this Muslim-American superhero that's, like, actually a real diverse inclusion in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm glad for that. That doesn't mean, like, that I'm upset with Disney for that doesn't mean that anything that comes from them can't be good. With Harry Potter, it's too direct a connection for me. Mm-hmm. That like, and it might not be too direct a connection for other people. Yeah, like I said, people should make their own individual Each choices. I am not gonna scold anyone. I am saying what I am doing personally is just I am ignoring this game's existence. If I play it someday, then I pl- I'll critically evaluate it then. But mm-hmm. that's different from the marketing cycle and like the you know the. As games press, we tend to be a little too involved in marketing, which there's nothing we can do. Sure. like, that, that's just the way this dynamic works. Yeah. But we, if we don't want to get involved, we can easily not get involved.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, other thoughts on GC? I mean, we could dive, we're going to dive in deep into the weeds with that Patreon-inclusive podcast. But any other highlights you want to get out there, Leo? I like it. You like it? <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. It's fun. With, like, every single time slot.
1: I've had, like, three or four panels I would want to go to Mm. in my agenda app thing, and then I just pick whichever one seems the most fun. There's, like, yeah, way too much interesting stuff
0: to even see. Yeah, yeah. So, again, we'll unpack all that fun stuff um, and talk about the awards and all that stuff on that Patreon exclusive podcast, so hopefully you can unlock it there. Um, Imran, do you know how this whole thing operates? Uh, Is it through the oligarchs of Russia? It is. Um, Actually, Actually, fun fact, it is not. (laughs) Just to make that very clear. Uh, That's right, everybody. It's Patreon. Patreon Patreon.com slash Minmax max with two wins. we appreciate your support and thank you to some of our biggest supporters jk rowling <laughs> no, hey, look at this. uh it is of course uh asmodee and they have the new game voices in my head it's technically unexpected games is the name of the developer it is a tabletop game that's inspired by pixar's inside out where it all takes place in a courtroom trying to win over control of this defendant's mind somebody's playing the prosecutor it's a tabletop game for up to three to six players um it's a it's a good time it's you're actually like pushing pieces around and sliding it all around to control who's controlling the area of speech for this person's brain yada 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 and the, there's twists and turns to the storyline every time that you play but it's a it's a cool unique setup if you're into like really into I guess kind of the, the lore of tabletop games, or just kind of like the storytelling aspect. It's a good one there. So voices in my head from Unexpected Games. That's cool. Also, hey, thanks, man. Um, also, thank you to Fixture Gaming. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1, which is the case. Have you seen this thing, Imran? I have one. Really? Uh, what or- do you think?
2: Oh, not the case. I have the Fixture S1 like Pro Controller thing. Yes, yes, so it is the clip yeah, that you put yeah. on your- That is, I think, the most useful thing I've ever brought on a plane. Look at this, wow. look at this.
0: Take the plug away, you got it, dude. Cause
2: like, Joy-Cons drift, my Pro Controller doesn't. Yes. And like, it actually makes it so I can use that thing as a portable.
0: Yes, exactly. So it's a clip that you put on your Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. You can check it out. Just Google a picture of Fixture S1. You'll say, oh, I see why that's convenient. There's a link below if you want to check it out. There's also the carrying case bundle. So please check them out if you'd be so kind. Also, thank you to our biggest supporters, that, of course, is iM8Bit, who's at uh, GDC, I yeah. we just went to their uh, physical store and looked around, rummaged through their stuff and all that. I bought an stuff. LP
2: from them earlier today, or Monday.
0: Really? Yeah. What was it?
2: Uh, the Pokemon Johto something. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. My my partner really likes Chuck stuff, and like this appeared to be a ver- like a rare LP that she really liked, so awesome. I picked it up for her.
0: Nice. Well, hey, uh, they want everybody to know about the Genesis Noir vinyl soundtrack, which is my one of my favorite indie games from last year, and this is the uh, double vinyl soundtrack for that. It also comes with the digital download as well, so you can check that out in their wonderful online store. You can use the promo code March Madness No Space March Madness No Space for ten percent off everything in their wonderful online store. And because they're so generous, each and every week they ship out a prize to somebody who supports. Supports Minmax on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, Leo, do you know about this? At the $2 tier, you can just su- submit a question each and every week for the Minmax Show podcast. We then choose our favorite question, and then IM8Bit ships that person something great. I'm not blaming
1: you. Yeah. But, you know, do you think anybody would try to put a space in the promo code?
2: Mm,
0: no. Because I don't think any promo code could have a space in it. Mm. I, uh, I could see it maybe. But it's March Madness. It's all one word, to be very clear. Right. Yeah. No one
2: space. month, you should just add a space. The yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: <that laughs> there is sounds horrific. <laughs> uh, but hey, this week, remember who submitted the best question, Imran? Because they win a Weezer vinyl. Mm. I mean, but it, all over the place. But Whoa. for Wave Break...
1: The oh. indie game
0: Wave Break, Weezer released oh, that right. vinyl soundtrack with the song, Tell Me What You Want. and Tell so if you want th- me
1: what you want. oh, well, it's that's like I'm listening it. to it right
0: now. <laughs> uh, so you can win that 7-inch vinyl, whoever's the best question of the week. So look alive, everybody. That'd be a great vinyl to have. <laughs> uh, okay, ready for this? First question. I'm going to read it from my phone while also recording on my phone. From Jurin. he says, Does Leo have any plans to expand his kingdom by overthrowing the head of GDC? Does the head of the GDC even know there's a visiting monarch, the king of E3, that's here? <laughs> well, everybody saw me get carried in on my throne. <laughs> but besides that,
1: I've been pretty under the radar. I did get recognized by one person.
0: Ooh! Mm. And they said,
1: "Chris." They said, "Hey, I love your stuff. I like when you're really vulnerable." Did they really say that? Yeah. And they like, yeah. <laughs>
0: took like a swing at you. Getting, yeah, recognize,
1: getting recognized kind of like it feels weird
2: because one, I, I don't know if we, you recognize me or we know each other. Yeah, and like and I've just forgotten. So I feel like an immediate asshole
1: for sure, for <laughs> sure. I also there's just so many uh celebrity meeting interactions to live up to. Everybody's like, "Oh, I met this person, they were so nice in real life." I got So I got to be
2: really nice. When uh my partner and I were were doing a road trip across from like Kansas City to California, we we stopped at a Chick-fil-A and somebody just like, "Hey, Imran." No. I'm like, what? <laughs> was that it, apparently like they were just big kind of funny fans so like just somebody who was the guy who was working there saw me and like when we were ordering it's like i think that's imran i think and they like called me out when i was outside that's it, amazing. it was that's neat great. but also very alarming in a do i command this level of celebrity that's weird command <laughs> I think
0: that's exactly what you did <laughs> congratulations it means you made it man um there's a weird moment where um we were having drinks at a, like a hotel bar, like the top floor of this hotel bar last night with some developers. Um, and Leo, am, am I too narcissistic to think that we were involved with this in any way? But there's a weird moment where like some folks just came up and they were game developers and they're like, "Hey, is there a GDC event up here?" And this was at l- like 10:30 at night or something. Um, and it was this confusing thing of like, "What is this?" Like we heard there was going to be like press up here and there was like a GDC event. It's like. I mean, I guess we're in the press, and we're getting a couple drinks with developers. What did you think that was about, Leo? I have no idea, but I have no doubt that it
1: could have just spread weirdly through word of mouth. Because I feel like there's, at that dinner, there was, like, five other splintering bar visits that Mm. were going out of that. And then people loved to just, like, hey, come by here. We'll be there later. Yeah. And I feel like maybe somehow that could have gotten
0: warped. It was really confusing. (laughs) Like, do we need to... Be pressed right now? Is it rude not to suddenly be like, hello, strangers? Tell us about your game, because I guess through We the- should have instantly pretended we were having an event. <laughs> <laughs> the only event was Leo trying to savor his pretzel stick that was, like, $25 for this world's <laughs> smallest pretzel <laughs> stick for dinner. Uh, San Francisco's great, everybody. You've got to come yeah. out. Here. Everything
2: yeah, everything around here is very expensive, like because it's a convention thing, but also everything around here is just very expensive. Yep,
0: yep, good yeah. time. Um, Adam Wagner, uh, Wagner writes in. And he says, what's the smallest thing at GDC you guys nerded out about?
2: Smallest thing.
0: There's something that um, I'm so glad you saw as well, Leo, because I could not wrap my mind around it. And it, please, if you know what this is, and you can send me a link, I'd appreciate it. But there was somebody who wasn't showing off this tech to try and get people to buy it. He was just by himself in a back corner. Yeah. And he was looking at an iPad and he had a crystal setting, sitting on top of the iPad, and it had like a hologram in it. It, it might a, have been a pyramid
1: projector, because I looked it up after seeing ooh, that guy. Okay. To see if that exists, or if he invented it flubber style. So, <laughs> <laughs> pyramid projector? I think that's what I saw that has been available on Amazon for a couple of years, but of course...
0: Why would you have that? I was so perplexed. So what it was then, it was just like, if you look at the iPad, it just had like a bunch of different angles of like some K-pop star or something, but then you put the little crystal on top of your iPad or triangle or whatever the hell, and it just looked like a, yeah, you know, it's this like, Leia projector of like a K-pop star. It it's insane. like special videos that they,
1: some, there are YouTube videos that are made to work with it hmm. where it just looks like a hologram through
0: that projector. It's so weird. weird. From 3D. Um, okay, what do you think about this? I'll give you more time to think mm-hmm. by rambling on. Um, tell me if I'm losing my mind, but I went to a panel today that was about um, what's happening to um, Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. What's going on with that game's development? Um, and the head of the studio, it was a really interesting talk, we'll talk about it in our Patreon exclusive podcast, but um, in that talk, the head of the studio was talking about the different phases of development, and you know, they've kind of had to shift things around, restructure things and whatnot, and so it's like, okay, there's concept then there's white box where you just get placeholder assets type of thing then there's another phase and then polish and all this stuff but the phase after white box was orange box which means like it's quick and fast and dirty we're just trying stuff out getting it out there oh and i had never heard this and then i began yeah. to wonder like wait so valve's orange box is that a reference to a game development term yeah that's what like- I just clicked in my head i yeah, guess because i guess that is the perfect name for what that was, whereas a lot of different ideas kind of cobbled together in a, I mean, valve-polished way, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and so I had never heard that. And I, I tweeted it out, and some people were like, no, Orange Box is just because Half-Life, the color is orange. And it's like, yeah, sure, I, I think it works on that level, too. But then I had, like, big developers just say, yeah, Orange Box is a thing. That's a stage of development. I was like, what? I had no idea that it was, like, a play on Orange Box for the yeah. entire thing. So, huh. So, yeah, that's, that's my little nerdy tidbit that I took away from this thing. Uh, nice.
2: I think for me, it's... I don't know. Yeah, you saw this guy probably last night. The uh, The ringleader, ringmaster of the oh eShop Circus. Or not eShop, eSports Circus. <laughs> okay. That he is a dude who's walking around in like big ringmaster garb. Yeah. Like a tall top hat, all that stuff. He's got like this little robot that you control with an iPad. And then he's just basically telling people like, yeah, I run the eSports Circus, which he explained to me what that was. I still don't quite remember. I was drunk. Uh, <laughs> and, like, it's... It seems neat. I'm just really flabbergasted by this dude who, he had uh, top a bunch at? of, had the top hat, but a bunch of $100 bills in his pocket. And they're just like, I'm like, dude, you, you might want to like tab that down. You might want to make sure that's in a wallet or something.
1: Yeah. That was an interesting character. Yes. He, he knows what,
2: he, that is a man who's very confident about what he is doing here at GDC. I don't know what it is, but he knows.
1: Right. That's right. That's right. Um, I have an answer to this question. Please, please. Uh, I've been nerding out in general about immersive sims here. I've been trying to go to every panel I can about designing immersive sims. Because I think they're just so, such an interesting genre. And there's always such a big, uh, debate about how to define them and what falls under that category. Right. They haven't solved that yet, of course. But, um, in the panel from Lucas Laredo, who, uh of wolf eye who are putting out weird west who we're going to talk about that i forgot to
0: (laughs) we can get back to that yeah
1: Yeah. Um, there was just a little tidbit from his panel where he said immersion in games is really about the feeling of co-authorship where like Mm. you're putting yourself into it and you're meeting the game this is my talking now so that's why it stopped being smart (laughs) you're like you and the game are working together to create this moment and it's so interesting because like when i talked about red dead redemption 2 and how much i loved it i was like because it's so immersive and then my friend was like what does that mean really and i feel like that's a really good way to put it it's like i feel like i'm really putting myself into this and the game is meeting me there and it's creating these like really unique special moments for mm-hmm. me and a lot of games that i consider very immersive fulfill that definition
0: yeah what um yeah we should talk about weird west I'm sorry for the last past that. This is no, a game okay. that's out March 31st on everything but Nintendo Switch. This is, we had an interview about it a while ago. It's, uh, it's from the new studio from Raf Colantonio, who was the founder of Arcane, but he split off to make this isometric immersive sim in the Wild West. I, it, but it's a little bit weird. It is a little <laughs> bit weird. Uh, but you've been playing it. Uh, how much have you played? Uh, three or four hours. Okay. I am really into it so
1: far, and I'm really into seeing where it goes. I think structurally it's just really cool. It's like you're doing shooting for the most part. Mm-hmm. You're like 2.5D uh, dual stick shooting with a slow motion dive. The combat maybe isn't my uh, favorite part about it, but we'll get to that later. But it's like really designed from the ground up so you can kill anybody. It's that kind of new Vegasy RPG immersive sim where yeah. it's like if you interact, if you have a verb, you can do it anywhere. And the game is built to have, like, backups and react to that. And if you kill the sheriff, his wife might start a vendetta against you. A really interesting thing, just to talk about how procedurally generated and interesting it is, even yeah. though it is a not a procedurally generated map, something that is procedurally generated is your parents are what? randomized. So you can find them doing any number of things in this world. For me, I stumbled upon my father's grave. And one of the interactions you can do if you have a shovel is bury any body... Which I just love that feature of like I'm gonna be the guy who buries all of these bandits I kill. <laughs> <after>. <laughs>
0: that's amazing.
1: Or you can dig up graves, and so I dug up my father's grave, <laughs> and it was no trinkets or anything. It was just bones and a skull were the two items. And so I took my dad's skull, and then I just walked around with my with my dad's skull. <laughs> that <laughs> just, is weird. Like that, that's, that's weird and West. Yeah.
0: I mean, I love the idea love. can you try and up. sell it, like, at a shop then?
1: I accidentally sold it <laughs> it was classified as junk. <laughs> I sold all my junk.
0: <laughs> yeah, so just weird scenarios, weird story building. Is it, does yes. it got some jank to it? Does it feel on the budget end of the spectrum, or is it doing all right? For what it is, it's remarkably smooth and polished, I think. Yeah. It mm. looks really good. It's funny, It's it looks so good. The more you talk about it, there's a crowd of people just gathering in front of us screaming about how amazing this game is. They're, they're jumping up and down, like the background in a Gran Turismo game, excited for Leo to go on about Weird West. I will get to it, guys! <laughs> um, yeah, it's...
1: The combat, I think, is the weakest part just because of the controls. It's like, the systems are there as far as... You could got a kick, and you can kick a poison barrel at a group of enemies. It'll cover them in poison. Or it'll rain and you'll see it pop up above their head like they're wet now and then you can hit them with a lightning attack and electrocute them yeah that kind of thing but it's like not quite precise enough for me to really make those decisions oddly for throwing a grenade you like hold r1 and it oscillates all of the different distances you can throw it at Stuff like that makes me want to, like, try it on mouse and keyboard and see if maybe it polishes that up a little bit. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Because that is really all I'm missing. Like, I really love just picking up bounties and traveling the world. You go to this over map where you select your location. You can be interrupted on the way there by any number of things. Stumbling across a shopkeeper, getting ambushed. All in stuff that's, like, specific to the area you're in. Yeah. Specific factions and weird monsters. And also... A couple panels happening to be about that got me really excited for stuff that's happening later. Like, the first one, you start out with your classic bounty hunter, typical western fantasy, but later you play as a witch who can summon tornadoes, I've been
0: told. (laughs) Excellent.
1: (laughs) And that, like, playing with the systems in that way, shooting a tornado, which can apparently, like, pick up fire, and then it's a fire tornado, Hmm. like, casting that through a campfire that's all around. I'm really excited to dig into it more, because it's, like, small enough in scale that they can get really deep with it without it being like a massive game
0: right and it's
1: so far it seems like yeah the type of game i wish there were
0: more of oh that's awesome um weird west everybody hey check it out Um, we had another question we had a question from tom blackburn saying ilphonic seems to have found their genre of four versus one multiplayer but they haven't nailed it yet with two whiffs with predator hunting grounds and friday the 13th i really hope that the evil dead game isn't overshadowed by the team's third try can you compare the evil dead game that's coming up to the new Ghostbusters game that was just announced.
2: Is Friday the 13th a whiff? I thought people liked that game. I
0: think they liked it, but it just had that weird situation of like, due to the legal rights involved, they couldn't update it or whatever, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, and like Dead by Daylight kind of ate its at lunch, but. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I played Ghostbusters, it, it seemed fun. But it's all one of those things of, like, is it fun because the people I'm playing with are fun or because, like, the game itself is, like, fun?
0: Yeah, I mean, we played Predator Hunting Grounds with a group, and I was like, yeah, we had fun yeah. with the group. So it seems like that's a lot about that 4v1 format, I feel like, for multiplayer. It's like, if you can get a group together, you'll probably have a good time, no matter how jank the game might be. Yeah,
2: it's, like, I, I enjoy what I played. I, uh, it's one of those things of you're not going to be able to tell for until you've played, like, 12 matches. Like, is this game actually good? Right. But I, I think it has the interesting systems. It has a thing where I, I'm sure most people who are interested in that game have like seen now.
0: By the way, this is Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. Yes, is the name of this game we yeah. just announced.
2: Which uh, did like, you
0: hear about the spirits being unleashed, Lou? What are we
1: doing here? <laughs>
2: we gotta go. But the, like, there's NPCs in the area that you have to. The ghosts idea. The ghost main thing is to haunt the area enough to scare those NPCs away your thing is you need to either catch the ghost or you need to catch the ghost before it does all that and you have to like talk to the NPCs to get them to you know calm down it's just like literally just go in there holding a key until they're they're calmed down so
0: there is like a slimer ghost flying around them you to tell them that it's okay that yeah. the dead are coming back like to life. We're, we're taking care of it i, I put it <laughs> out in the demo was like if i saw the ghostbusters enter a
2: building i was in in uniform i would just leave yeah. yeah like i wouldn't stay there and be like eh, they'll be fine they're gonna take care of it
0: i think i'd kind of want to see it like i don't know <laughs> outside of like the librarian ghost i feel like ghostbusters ghosts are like funny and silly and i just i would want to see what how colorful they could be and stuff you I know? was
2: traumatized by the the nanny with the stroller and Ghostbusters that is 2. true
0: you're right there yeah. are yeah as long as she was not involved <laughs> but if it's like the guys that were electrocuted in the courthouse or whatever like they seem like a good time yeah I'd like to see them you just want to get the Dan Aykroyd cross eye treatment, <laughs> hey, buddy come on speaking of which Dan Aykroyd said Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed yes um, yeah. it's canon. well probably not canonical but they're trying to make it seem like okay Ernie Hudson is Winston he's like giving you missions then you can go to raise a books to like talk to dan Aykroyd, and from that one trailer i think dan Aykroyd's performance in that game sounds better than his performance in ghostbusters <laughs> afterlife where it was <laughs> did you see ghostbusters afterlife no it's so it's i i like that movie overall but like that dan Aykroyd scene in ray's Cult books was so rough where he's like he's, he picks up the phone and what's harold ramus's character's name egon mm-hmm. It's like egon spangler he can burn in hell. It's just like this weird overacted scene from nowhere. But
2: it seems good in the game. Yeah. I If you like Ghostbusters, which it seems like a lot of people do, then this seems like a game that is going to be at least fun for... It's It's fun to turn on and just hear Ghostbuster sounds. Yeah. yeah. It, it was not implemented yet, but they said... I asked what Crossing the Streams did, and they're like, it makes a more powerful beam. And I
0: was like, but whatever you do, don't do it. Yeah, I
2: was like, <laughs> it should just crash the game.
0: Yeah, but oh, that, yeah. that's what it should. Do. That's a fun. great idea. Um, it, is it twenty twenty two?
2: uh i think they're aiming for 2022 okay
0: yeah. it's 2022 right now yeah okay good thank you i was trying to figure it out um it made me laugh that there's a line in the trailer where it's winston saying so you want to play as a ghost <laughs> i was like, <laughs> like how does that work canonically <laughs> <laughs> I just, it sounds Making like Metal menu Gear. ui or something yeah but <laughs> uh,
2: before we move on i also played bug snacks today the dlc Ooh, yeah oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah yeah uh it's bug snacks it's just like there's a new island and like so, when I went in on a whiteboard there, it just said uh bug snacks dot dot dot, but big in like three
0: question marks. Good. And that's, that's basically the DLC.
2: Okay. It's like they're now very big. There's new bug it's snacks. It's Skylander's
0: Giants, but for bug snacks? Yes. Okay. Or it's like
2: <laughs> what Pokemon hit on is like, what if we just make Pokemon big now?
0: Right, right, right. And like, people like that. <laughs> it's.
2: <laughs> it's They also have like a thing in the village. Like, it's all free update, free DLC, all that stuff. Okay. So now you can make your own hut in the village and all that. It's if you liked bug snacks this is just more of it so yeah. that
0: seems cool when's yeah. that coming out
2: uh they said they are aiming for s- this year or de- like depending on certain features like, okay. whether, like it
0: those work huh yeah cool you
1: should call it big snacks they're making it so
0: big <laughs> <laughs> yeah man <laughs> hey speaking of big snacks i'm a biggie boy <gasps> uh ray right tennis says what's the best meal you've had on the trip so far
1: I got sushi the first day I was here. That was the best sushi
0: I've had in years. Mm. That is good. I I got some gyoza my first day here, and that's excellent, excellent.
2: There's a Mexican bar food place not far from here that I got dinner at last night called Garaje. Uh, I had a Baja fish taco, which is, like, big, just a big piece of cod, like, right in the middle of a taco, and then an El Camino taco, which is shrimp and steak, and both were just incredible.
1: That sounds great. And I'm
2: also never in the city, like, during the day on a weekday, so... At, probably after this I'm gonna go get Marachi's curry which I think Ooh, last time yes. you were here I, I took remember you there. That. yes yep
0: it's real good it's excellent it's a little bit like Japanese curry it's close <laughs> enough but it'll do uh, real quick on the topic of my sushi just we could
1: circle back to that uh, <laughs> it was kind of a it was kind of big for me because it was my first time going to a sushi boat place mm. where they come around in little boats yeah. which I had seen as a kid playing escape from Monkey Island when the islands being gentrified they turned the bar into like a sushi boat place <laughs> and i've didn't know that was real for a few years after that and ever since i always wanted to try and now i did and it was the best wow
0: great thumbs up gentrification
1: and escape from okay <laughs> hell yeah
0: uh hey uh lewis k he knows how to write in with the question he says what's the shower gel slash shampoo situation at gdc <laughs> <laughs> Uh, leo by the way i know you've been on the podcast in a couple of weeks we're now an exclusively shampoo
2: and i got some of that. Yeah. I, I did see the jeff thing
0: okay and i was like
2: what is he talking about <laughs>
0: but he's defending it he's defending <laughs> it. Is there a quick recap for me and others yeah absolutely um so jeff doesn't use soap he uses shampoo on his entire body in the shower I th- I, his logic so is that like you yeah.
1: use shampoo and
2: like the soap just goes down anyway <laughs>
0: He just stands <laughs> it's like, like how some this. People,
2: oh. He t poses and he gets clean. It's like how some people don't wash their legs because they're like, yeah, shower just hits everything.
0: Huh?
1: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's funny that we walked into our room and all we had was shampoo and conditioner.
0: Yeah. So I, I did pull a Jeffum the first day. Me too. Um, and I grew hair where there was no hair. I'm, I'm <laughs> becoming as hairy as Jeffum. It's really beautiful. But then I know I, things only he would know. Yeah, exactly. Like what to do with so much hair. <laughs> um, but then. Uh, asked for more bars of soap, and they brought up facial soap and body soap. So I feel like this is another situation where it's like, okay, we gotta divvy up the soap. So I, I took the hit and I said, I'll use this facial soap on my full body. Hmm. And honestly, I used it on my body, and now I have a second face on my butt. <laughs> it just grew overnight. It's really weird how it works. So. Cool. That's what's making all those noises. <laughs> so there's no debate on that. <laughs> right, you cannot right. use facial soap okay. yep, <laughs> That's right. Um, I don't know, is that what everybody wants? Okay, Andrew King writes in, Hey, uh, as you all probably know, Blank Check Podcast, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. Um, they just started their miniseries on Sam Raimi, the director. Uh, the Blank Check format, where you go through a director's filmography one movie, one, one, one movie at a time, works great for film, but it isn't as easy for games, given how long they tend to be. But, Imran, here's a hypothetical for you. <laughs> if you did have the time and resources to record a series where you played through a developer's games in chronological order... <laughs> Who do you think would make the most interesting mini series? Boy, I bet Sergio Vasquez and I would have a lot of talk to say about this.
2: <laughs> uh, but probably, hypothetically, if we were to do this, it would be uh, Zelda would be the most interesting thing to start with. Ooh, wait. Like as so... a series, like as opposed to, like, I guess obviously you start with Miyamoto if you were gonna do creators. If you were gonna do. Oh, so only games that Miyamoto directed, though? Because that's really dwindling. Yeah, because he doesn't direct a lot of games. No. Even, like, by the end of before, he's more or less stopped. I don't I,
1: think you should... I don't think it would be interesting for a podcast to be only if, if they directed it. Yeah. It, I think I it would think be they this go, person's career. I think they're you are go by series, not
2: creation there.
1: Oh, I kind of like limiting it, though. Not if they're hands-off, but, like, if he's a designer or something.
0: I guess so. Yeah. Okay, sure. Okay, so you'd go Zelda series. So it's a little bit like Game Informer's... Gameography where they yeah. go through an entire series like that. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. But like
2: actually just sort of really diving deep in.
0: Yeah. It, I, if I was thinking like director, it's like one well, of the obvious blank check video game directors like Kojima. Yeah. I, I think that'd be a fascinating saga to play through all of his games. I cannot imagine what your brain would be like after going through <laughs> all those, but I'd like to have it. Um, and then another one, controversy noted, controversy noted. I understand he's also not the greatest boss, but Michelle Cell I think, uh, mm. is such a bizarre, but really compelling video game director going through all the Rayman games and going through Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie, Beyond they Good and
2: They're doing the Sam Rayman? Uh.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Leo, what do you got,
2: man? Leo, that hurt? Was that fine? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I loved it. Okay. Um, I don't know. Harvey Smith is the first that comes to mind. Ooh, okay. Interesting yeah. long pedigree there. I went to Immersion of Sim Roundtable last night with him, and yeah, it did a double take when he was like yeah I was lead designer on Deus Ex I was like oh yeah this is like the biggest celebrity to me right now
0: (laughs) one of the most revered games ever and then did you direct Deus Ex 2 I want to say maybe you'll find out on my podcast
2: oh fantastic more inspector similarly would be also be
0: good because yep. like you'd probably finish off at, like epic Mickey and be like, all right, this is weird. This is a weird place to end it. I kind of want to stream through all of Epic Mickey. I've started it and said woof, but like yeah. every time I think about the game or see concept art for that game again, which is surprisingly often in my life, I just am reminded like this is exactly up my alley. <laughs> I will force myself to love it. It's if not I just the worst thing in the world. It's just actually like it's it's surprisingly mediocre.
1: Yeah, it's just when you call it epic, that's just too much to live up to yes. right, for us right, gamers. Right. Yes. So, Responded
2: one of my tweets as like epic joke. I'm like, that makes the joke (laughs) feel worse a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Oh,
0: this joke wasn't good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Here's here's a smart person question. So put your smart person hat on. Uh, Mars Barrow writes in. it says in 2011 Awada uh, talked about the increased cost of game development both financially and mentally. Uh, he mentioned his concerns over the lack of quality in social games and the overall high or the overall lack of polish that could be missing from high value games. My question is as some game developers continue to push the envelope in graphics, sound and overall production, have we now hit a point where this is no longer sustainable? I think about the countless delays, pandemic or not, and the amount of games that launch in an unfinished state, and wonder if a lot of it was right when he voices concerns about the never ending push towards high end processors and game systems. Yes. I mean, <laughs> is yeah. game
2: development sustainable? It became kind of unsustainable in like 2008, honestly. Like, because, okay, if you look at a budget of a game, we're looking at like, let's say, 150 to 200 million just for development, mm-hmm. which is how many companies can command that much money for a thing that's not going to get returns for uh, X number of years. Right. Then we're talking about another. 100 to uh, 150 to 200 million on marketing and advertising. So we're already 500 million in the hole before the game is sold one copy. Right. And then we're that's why we hit pre-orders so hard because that's guaranteed income that you're you can report to stock investors and stuff like that. It becomes really, really, really difficult to justify the existence of any video game that is not going to sell more than two million copies. Right. Yeah. And I went like, I think. If not for the rise of indies, then we would have a very, very broken industry right now. Uh, But also, indies have risen to the point where you're expected to make what is essentially a double-A game, but also not sell it for more than $30. Because if you do that, then the market's not going to, you know... So we started getting into this whole thing of DLC and microtransactions and all that stuff, which are not new, but have ebbed and flowed in weird ways over the last decade. I I, I actually just read Awada's book, and Mm. it's... He, he kind of hits on the same, because it's all just his old speeches and writings and all that, uh, but he kind of hits on the same idea there of, the. he doesn't outright say the Wii was a response to game developers trying to like, keep costs down, but that kind of was what it was. Huh. And the industry response to that was, no, let's, like, we're not going to do that. Well, with, the
0: Kinect, right? I mean...
2: Yeah, but Kinect was not trying to keep costs down, it was trying to right. bring oh. in a casual audience. Right, right, that's so, true. What the Like, you look at how the industry reacted to the Wii, which, motion controls aside, was basically just GameCube technology. Mm-hmm. And they went, no, we want to keep improving because that's what the audience wants. And there was, like, an inflection point there of, well, is that what the actual audience wants? Or if would it have been possible then to just say, we're not going to keep going that far. We're, let's tamp down a little bit. Let's see what we can do. And it's kind of come in weird ways since then because the Switch is by far the most successful system right now. Uh, And there's also just a lot of especially Japanese games that still kind of feel like older generation games that are on modern hardware. And for the most part, people just don't care. They're like, oh, yeah, cool. That that looks fine. So it's kind of evened out in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Still a little unsustainable because the aforementioned budget problem, but it's less bad than it was in, like, 2012, where you absolutely... Everyone was kind of just making two AAA games a year right. and then hoping <laughs> that everyone just are all the the audience just had time for all of them
1: totally yeah it's like it's industry's too big to say it's all unsustainable right now yeah. but i can't help but think with like so many companies here looking to hire it's like have we just burnt out so many people yeah at this point that there's like a deficit left over. it is bizarre yeah
0: we we're talking about with developers last night about just the struggle to hire and it's like oh that idea of your dairy queen has to be closed because they can't find anybody to hire like it's so bizarre to think like oh that idea is extending also to the game industry we're also just like hey we need bodies everybody and everyone's yeah. like yeah we're good we don't yeah. want to work at this beloved game studio it's like what it just seems bizarre
2: i was talking to someone i don't mean, want to give their name because i don't know how much they've said publicly about yeah. this
0: but like they were working
2: on a big AAA game for a like long long time and it, like the game's getting delayed and like it's it's still coming out but like they were creative head for that game and then at some point, they just like, I, I got to leave. I and went to work for a technology company mm. because they were so burned out. They couldn't... They love being creative. They love video games. They love designing video games. But there's only so long you can just keep working on the same thing. And the hours in the day just keep increasing. And, yeah. like, I, I can't imagine it.
0: Yeah, no. at that uh, Baldur's Gate panel, which was one of the highlights for sure um, that I've seen so far, but they were talking about just... They thought after a Divinity Original Sin 2, like, we got it. I think we know how to develop one of these games. We can do it. And their team was a little over 100 people. Um, and so their early access, and they released, like, the first chapter of Baldur's Gate 3. Um, and then they realized, like, we thought we could scope this thing, and we just had no idea. But, like, the quality that we're going for and the visual fidelity, it's so much more brutal than we thought it was going to be. And we can't scale it down because, like, it's a DD game. What are we going to do? Like, cu- cut the rogue class like mm-hmm. people won't accept that you need to have all these options it's D yeah. rules um so like so we couldn't scale it down so the only option was to scale ourselves up so we went from over a hundred people now to over 400 people just so they can pull off Baldur's Gate 3 yeah just just letting it all ride it, it, put it all on red let's see how it goes <laughs> if we scale up to over 400 people over the course of a year like yeah. I just can't yeah. imagine that uh, hey scary times let's not make a game um, <laughs> i
1: just hope it leads to a rise of more mid-tier options yes yeah
0: yes absolutely that seems realistic um connor writes in and says hey crew uh, just one question why does nintendo work so hard to refer to their games as games in all of the marketing materials and nintendo directs for a new release they'll say things like see what's new in the mario kart 8 deluxe game or explore a brand new world in the Pokemon Legends Arceus game. They always do this, and I can't figure out why. (laughs) Interesting. I've never noticed that. Well, now there's a Mario
1: movie, and there's a detective Pikachu movie. That's right, that's right.
2: It's confusing. I bet there's, like, somebody who's like, you need to refer to this as a game somewhere, like, in the marketing department or somewhere in Kyoto. that's saying... We, we need to make sure people don't know this is not the app. This right, is not yeah. the experience. This is not the theme park ride. This leave, is the game. Leave oh the, the door open
0: for the Mario Kart 8 book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maniac writes in, in response to the eldritch abominations that are the Sonic 2-themed hairy controllers from Xbox. Oh, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen these, yeah. I, I just caught a quick glimpse. What is it? Xbox controllers that are, like, furry? Yes. Like, Sonic isn't. <laughs> <What's> that? <laughs> that, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> both, both Sonic and Knuckles are not furry creatures. Yeah. Well, I guess I've never touched them. Anyway, some of the community had a hilarious and spirited discussion in the MidMax Discord. So, what textile or clothing texture would make the best controller material? Have you tried the Forza Series X controller? No, that explosion purpley yeah. yellow one or whatever. So
2: it has on the for the back grips. Uh, the kind of leather you find on luxury steering wheels? Ooh, yes, yes, it yes. It feels really good. Ooh, I want mm. that.
0: I used to have a, a steering wheel cover that was like that mm-hmm. fake luxury nonsense. Yeah. So I'm very interested in that. Uh, huh. Okay, so yeah, I guess luxury steering wheel combined with some furry suit. <laughs> like, some fusion of those two, I feel like, is the ultimate experience.
1: Bouncy. Uh, yeah. Rubber. <laughs> like a silver so thing? Yeah.
0: Rage and throw it. It uh, bounces around the room Lands back in your hand That You're was the original idea it. With the PS3 boomerang controller I think you could be so pissed you <laughs> chuck it
1: right
2: back in.
0: Right.
2: I think memory foam On a controller Would actually be kind of neat Oh
0: yes Yeah I don't and know how it you works could, Yeah mm, You could set a glass of wine On one half And then <laughs> drop a bowling ball On the other half of the controller One and analog stick fun. Is just like Completely stable The entire time That sounds great uh, yeah, Ramses Garcia writes in Says hey Seven plan uh, Shin Megami Tensei V And I feel like I have To grind uh, for five hours since the game started, my question is: Do you like grinding? Okay, I kind of like it. Uh, it's good podcast time. I don't mm-hmm. mind it. <laughs> I I sometimes
2: like grinding. I think a lot of the times people say they need to grind is kind of like usually you don't. There's there's mm-hmm. some strategy the game wants you to do that you're just kind of not doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are times where the game is like, no, actually, just can grind. Mm-hmm. And I. If I, if I put it on a podcast or I'm, like, watching TV or something and just have that on near the other window, then it's fine. If it's something I'm actually trying to focus on and, like, doing that, then, like, it better pay off in really big ways because I'm not going to do this again the rest of the game.
1: Yes. Yeah. I don't have a moral problem with it, but when I get to a point in a game where I have to grind, that's probably yeah. when I am done with it, personally.
0: There it is. Uh, Christian Jimenez. Uh, hey, Ben and Leo. Uh, I remember vividly back right before the start of the pandemic how excited you were about going to gdc at the time the talk of the virus was very unknown so when we first heard rumblings about it you felt like gdc was still on the table and how it was going to be a big moment for min max and introducing it to a new audience can you take us back to that week and the roller coaster that it was both internally and emotionally Wow. Um, i wanted to go to san francisco pretty badly because remember i mean it's so weird to think about before the pandemic how remote recording and podcasting it wasn't taboo but it was kind of like yeah it was such we were a cheap out
2: yeah
0: it was such but it's just a cheap alternative and so i remember at the time was very excited about like going to san francisco because i had like lined up i think it was like okay i was going to be on the no clip podcast i was going to be on kind of funny and i was like this is going to be like a big moment for minmax to get out there and now i'm not going out there so i couldn't do it <laughs> and now it just seems bizarre to think that like the physicality could limit what podcast yeah. you're
2: on and you know? yeah, I, I was really excited about it cuz like that was the first gdc since the game informer stuff mm, mm-hmm. and I was like okay i'm excited to go do reporter things again and you know when it got cancelled like what well okay who, who do I do this for who do I write for like what what's happening here and like I wanted to see a lot I get a lot of it was I wanted to see people who I have not seen in a long time right? because like when I'm not doing it for Game Informer it's I don't see these people at events or anything like that and from a career networking perspective it makes sense to be like hey are you, how you guys doing are you hiring are you doing mm-hmm. like that yeah.
0: yeah this Um. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around introducing min max because you know i'll talk to developers and stuff for the panels or and about and they'll be like oh who are you with and i i'm terrible at it. i'm like oh min max and I'm like oh what's that about i try and pass it off like oh maybe they've heard of it maybe i don't have to mm-hmm. explain it and then they always ask what it is and it's like um independent youtube channel and podcast network is kind of the, the standard but normally it's usually just like this sheepish thing of like oh well i used to be at game informer and i was a video producer and then i kind of split off and i just kept doing the parts that i liked from game informer but not the parts that i didn't and now we're a media outlet and i guess there's some self-improvement involved (laughs) it's like it's it's, it's this event is a real crash course it's a reminder of just like oh yeah i need to get some pitch down for what is has next Mm -hmm. uh independent media outlet i should just say that with confidence but i just i have a tough time doing it yeah i kind of do like shampoo debates (laughs) (laughs) um we try and like podcasts from convention show floors but then our microphones don't work so we just kind of like hold phones to our faces (laughs) um help us um uh josh laba writes in and says laba with the bank i don't know he says uh is there something there, Leo? Uh, I'm sure this person has <laughs> <laughs> found that there is many times. Um, hey, Josh Labah wrote Rock in, Rock Labah will
2: What's that? Rock the Labah? Like Rock the Caswell. Like oh, yeah.
0: There's something. Yeah. That might be new. Um, hey, what are the best bedtime games to relax with? Leo, the most shocking thing about being in the same hotel room as you, because we've never really traveled together ever, because we're two video guys, so game mm. four, we're never sending the two of us on stuff. Yeah. But Leo's big on politely playing a Switch or politely playing phone games in his bed. Quite a bit. I've just watched him for hours. (laughs) You've been watching for over there? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. That's cute. Yeah, um, I like to read before
1: bed usually, but, you know, sharing a room with you, I didn't want to have my light on and stuff. Right,
0: Mm -hmm. right. but you're always like, oh, I need to go through War and Peace one more time. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I ask you to read it to me one
0: more time. (laughs) (laughs) I was stunned that uh, (laughs) you said that you saw just the name of some mobile game on somebody's shirt so you just downloaded it (laughs) and i've been playing it a lot (laughs) what is it
1: idol slayer i (laughs) don't like an idol game and it just sounds up your alley every few weeks or few months i'm like i'm in the mood for an idol game Mm. yeah it would fill certain holes in my day that twitter sometimes does but i don't really want it to yeah and that was like yeah this would be good for a few minutes before panels yeah and it is i love it i paid five dollars to remove all the ads just today
2: (laughs) I was uh, dead tired last night, so when I finally got home, like the only, I didn't want to think, usually I would go home and play Elden Ring, uh, yeah. but I didn't want to think of anything, I just wanted to just play a video game while I decompressed before bed, just turned on Genshin Impact for like an hour, played that. That's, nice. that's a good choice. Yes. That's
0: good, that's good. Um, bed, Bath, and <laughs> So it's a question, and they say, uh, does Leo like Elden Ring? <laughs> this is the reason Leo's been dodging the podcast because he's scared to face <laughs> the truth I actually do have a meeting right now
1: that I have to <laughs>
0: okay yeah no problem man no problem just pass out those business cards
1: <laughs> um I've played a few hours of it and it's it's hasn't turned me on to from games mm. you know I've dabbled a little bit before in this yeah it's there's a lot cool about this and I've been like I've stayed plugged into the Elden Ring thread in my friends discord where they're mm-hmm. all talking excitedly about it and I like love how they respond to exploring and finding things, and how unique it is for that, for an open world game. Like, I love its uh, yeah impact it's probably going to have, based yeah. on this, like, response to actually discovering things in an open world game. Right. Anyway. But j- it's just the combat for me I still just don't like the combat not that it's too hard I just don't have fun pressing yeah. buttons
2: I do think for- like this game is like so- such critical acclaim and selling so well that there's gonna be a lot of people who are just gonna be like oh I don't know if I like from software games I're gonna try this mm-hmm. and then half of those people are going to just completely bounce off and just go no this is not for me I don't understand what this like what all the praise is about or like I understand it but it's not you know not my kind of thing and half people are gonna go actually i'm
0: really into this now that's it that's it for me yeah and Mm -hmm. i feel like you know after talking about elden ring in every pocket of every conversation at gdc i feel like there are a couple moments leo where we're talking about our experiences with it you're like you know maybe maybe i should go back to it and give it a try because like just talking about how i just am trying to squeeze all exploration out of the game and saving combat as a last resort like there's so much fun to be had treating the game like that and by the time you get to the combat it's not gonna be a problem then. Like, my my boss at Fanbite, Danielle Riendo, spent the first like I think
2: twenty hours of the game just exploring and picking flowers. Because if you it. pick flowers and sell them, you gain souls. So ah. you you can level up that way. That so by the time so she actually cool. did get in like into combat,
1: it she was reasonably strong and wasn't gonna yeah. have to
2: worry that much.
1: I love it. That is interesting. It really is though. It's like the conversation I feel like always goes to well the combat isn't a problem if you do these certain things, but it's like I just don't. I still won't want to do it, <laughs> you know. Even if it's easy, sure. I'll want to not do it for a, a new reason. Yeah, but
0: what if you just stop being a little wiener about it and <laughs> just, just hit somebody with your sword, you dweeb? I, I really went in with an open heart. Uh-huh, okay, and all maybe right. I will again. Um, Andrew writes in and says, "What games do you think? Do you all think have the highest ratio of hours played to hours spent on development and vice versa?" I don't know about the vice versa. I think that that starting point <laughs> is a great one. Yeah, highest ratio of hours played to hours spent on development, like GTA, five. Yeah. Ooh, I mean that's a lot of. Okay. Oh, interesting. So, I, I, I'm curious which way they're going with. Because Andrew says my money's on something like Wordle. Because oh. it's man yeah.
1: hours spent yeah. developing. So, like yeah. a thousand people working forty-hour weeks would add
0: up. Yeah. True. Yeah. But like I like that 40 example hour of weeks. Wordle. Of like, yeah, how long do you think that took to code versus how much time? Of There's no way anything beats that. Beats Wordle. Yeah. There's Just Dance, which I remember Mm -hmm. is always a crazy budget thing for Ubisoft. But I don't know if people are pouring thousands of hours into Just Dance. Yeah,
2: I'm I'm trying to think what what could possibly compete with Wordle. (laughs) Yeah. Snake? Snake. I think Vampire Survivor was very popular for a long time. That's good. That's good. Uh, Could be like an idle game like Leo's playing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, doing
0: my part. <laughs> great. Uh, Patrick Polk writes in and says, last week the weirdest Minnesota-based video game podcast coincidence occurred. <laughs> if this is true, Patrick Polk, we need to do something about this. <laughs> this is a problem. Mm. Uh, Patrick says, both Ben on the MinMax show, that's me, and Alex Stadnik on the Game Informer show accidentally, question mark, they put, said that Elden Ring sold... <laughs> We both apparently said that Elden Ring sold 12-minute copies <laughs> instead of 12 million copies. And you two said it within a minute of each other on the timestamps of the show. Wow. That's a really weird thing, right? Is it a Minnesota thing or is it a joke I don't get? It's <laughs> a um, Minnesota know. thing. Yeah, we never say million. We say minute in Minnesota. It's, it's a big thing. I so mean, I New guess York maybe like, very confusing. you're so
2: used to saying 12 minutes because of the game. Yeah, I guess like, so. I guess so,
0: but twitter Weird. minute copies is stupid. <laughs> really funny. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Hey, I'll have to check that out, man. Um, Josiah says, Hey everybody, I've had about <laughs> I've had about twelve or so roommates. I've had about twelve, <laughs> 12 <minutes. laughs> or so minutes, um, not including family since I moved out of college. What are your strangest or most memorable roommate experiences?
2: Oh boy. Okay. So Ooh,
0: when I first moved to go.
2: To, to our first moved to San Francisco I was renting a room from a house with this guy, who, a little weird, but not like super strange. Like he yeah. he he owned the house. Uh, it soon became apparent that he didn't really own the house. His mother owned the house, and the mother complex this guy had might be one of the more like strange experiences I've ever had in my life. Like so, I know I had never got into his room except for the time that I like went to go pay rent and like I slipped under his door and like he opened the door. In his room, it's just relatively small. Had a five foot by like three foot, pa- like oil painting of his mother <laughs> above the bed. Wow. Very good. And once a year, his mother came to visit for uh, a month. This mo- his mother had no boundaries whatsoever. Like would so, uh, what, and I had a day off. She I was in bed playing Yakuza zero, and literally just opens the door and be like, "Hey, how you doing?" Like. Fine. What he do do? and she uh, uh, later mentioned, like, hey, are you going to take the trash out of your out of your room, like the coke bottles or whatever I had sit in my trash can? It's like, yeah, I'll probably take them out later. Uh, I realized later that there was no way from that interaction where she was coming, like she opened the door to my room, that she could have seen that trash because the it was behind so the door. she was snooping. She was snooping in like both mine <laughs> and my other roommates' uh, in rooms. And we were both talking about it, like what do we do? Like it so we had our own bathroom and like they had their own bathroom. She would apparently just like go into our bathroom and take our bathroom supplies and like bring it to her like their stuff. It, what? it was I, I have toyed around with the idea of writing a book about how, how surreal this experience was. But yeah, that that is the strangest roommate experience I ever had. Wow. Oh my god.
0: What a nightmare. Yeah. I I don't know, I guess I've lucked out with my roommates. I don't know, I had one that was kinda of messy and then Mice invaded our apartment mm. for like the year that he was living there, and it was like, oh, I guess we just have mice now. And then he moved away, and mice all disappeared. Okay, <laughs> it, was like, oh, <laughs> it was just him leaving bread on the <laughs> counter. Somehow created an <laughs> army of rats. That's cool. interesting. Yeah, that's weird <laughs> how that works. And like freshman year of college was bizarre because it was a super small dorm at the U of M, and it was called a suite, which just meant for some reason that they for some rooms decided to cram four people into it instead of two, but they called it a suite, so I guess it was okay. And so I just had three random roommates and they were all bizarre in their own way and like two of them were like childhood best friends and it was a certain type of nerd that I can appreciate and bond with but it it took a while to get there but there were like the video game nerd but then also the jock nerd. You know that combo mm-hmm. where they, at the time, they were really into Dota, like the mod. Like, Dota had just launched, and it was just a lot of, like, yeah, Dota, get some! kind of like <laughs> this jock mentality, and they're constantly lifting weights and pounding creatine and then screaming about, like... Because, like, at some point, StarCraft came up, like, you know, early on, mm-hmm. you know, like when you're meeting somebody for the first time, and StarCraft always comes up within five minutes. Icebreaker. That's right. Um, and so we are talking about StarCraft, and it was just, like, this level of energy that I really appreciate from, I guess... Uh, Jocks, if I may stereotype. There's this crazy thing where it's like, yeah, I love Starcraft, I fuck Protoss. He's like, dude, he's like, let's watch some Starcraft ghost videos on the internet. And so we just sort of watched all these videos, and he would just like watch. In Starcraft Ghost, like, this, you know, crappy video on GameSpot about, like, a dropship dropping off some Terrans, and he's like, whoo, it's just, like, treated like a WWE match, he was just hooking and hollering at the screen, he was like, stomping on the floor. Yeah, I thought I liked games, but like, this is too much. It's just, yeah, Randy Savage, super excited <laughs> about it. Starcraft, so... It was a good time. We had to find time. I wish all esports
1: players were like that. Wouldn't it be nice? Just super yeah. ripped for no reason at all. <laughs> they're, they're the main stars of the esports circus. Mm, just going in there, right? <laughs> Muscle right. man. Of the That's right.
0: Um, let's see. Oh, great questions. Great questions. Look at these. They don't stop because they're good. They submit <laughs> them on Patreon. Uh, Lucas Adams says, "Hey, Max. I heard you talking about StarCraft, and I decided I'd, decided I'd write in with this question. Sometimes I just..." pretend. Mm-hmm. I just make up the parts of their <laughs> That's comments. cool. Yeah, you can assume that yeah. they did mean that. That's right. They say, after almost a year of silence and plenty of controversy, in the uh, the Overwatch team at Blizzard announced that they're decoupling multiplayer and the PvE campaign, launching a beta in April and hoping to have more consistent updates throughout the year. My question is, do you have any excitement for this game, or is this all a little too late? Uh, Overwatch was a gaming phenomenon when it launched, even outside uh, the <laughs> workplace controversies. Uh, it seems like most players have moved on from the game. Uh, where, where's everybody at for Overwatch 2? I, I fell off Overwatch hard. Like, I, yeah, I played yeah. that game
2: every day for, I want to say, like, six months. And then just never came back to it. Yep. It's weird. Yeah, I think I f- the, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I think they had to do something in terms of Overwatch 2 because they announced the Overwatch League was going to be about Overwatch 2 this year. So they oh, have to yeah. put out a <laughs> beta because otherwise... And, like, decouple de- de- the PvE stuff. Because
0: otherwise, like, you you just... Put a mulligan on the League for a year? I, the part I don't understand is, like, they're decoupling it, but the whole idea was Overwatch 2 was also going to be, all those updates were going to be in Overwatch 1 as well. So effectively, does this just mean that this year is just going to see a big update for Overwatch and we should stop thinking about it even as, like, an Overwatch 2 whatsoever? I guess. I, I have no idea what their current plans are. Like, honestly, yeah. the project never really made much sense. Well, Leo played it, You visited Blizzard to learn all about it. So you're like the world's expert. The floor is yours. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I loved Overwatch 1 when it came out. I also played it for a few months, like my main game, for mm-hmm. sure, with friends. I've tried to go back to it a couple times since then, and it's weirdly, I don't know, like any shooter, it's remarkably toxic in the yeah. chat, and it's hard to yeah. be to not know everything, and people target you. Yeah. The way yeah. That makes me not get anything out of playing it. It's yeah.
2: upsetting. It feels like you're going back to your hometown that's like disheveled.
1: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so much of the part of the pitch of Overwatch 2 multiplayer is like, besides it going to five players per team, it's so much transfers over. It's like going to be so much the same experience, but new in some small ways that it's yeah. like if it was more new i'd be more interested in it as it is now i would probably be only interested in the pve stuff yeah and even that maybe just a little bit i think a lot of people are in your camp yeah
2: like if they put out a, like a destiny style overwatch game i'd probably play that more than i would play like overwatch one again
0: mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah uh jordan brown writes hey band in the hearts uh with the announcement of brandon jones retiring from games journalism uh, in May, I was wondering if y'all had some game trailers or Easy Allies memories that'd be fun to talk about and reminisce about. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Mr. Game Trailers, and yeah. uh, a huge part of Easy Allies over there decided to to retire, along with kind of a, a revamp of Easy Allies in general for the structure and the tiers and all that stuff. So it, it's cool to see him shaking things up and trying some new things. But yeah, wild that Brandon Jones is yeah. retiring at a ripe age of sixty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I remember
2: when I was uh, when I was going to school in England, I would like. Because I, I it was homesick, so I guess one of the ways I expressed that homesickness was I would just watch reviews on Game Show or stuff. Yeah. Because, like, it was, like, a comforting voice. And, like, it totally. was cool to hear this, like, it was cool to see videos of games being reviewed,
0: which was at the time not, like, the commonplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm obsessed with that history, and I'd love to learn more about it. Maybe we can line up an interview. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, one of the greatest voices in games industry it's so wild that you know for all the reviews they still had jones do all the vo and Mm -hmm. in the big announcement that he's going to be leaving they said that he'll still come back and do vo every once in a while um but yeah good on him i guess you know having a kid he wants to focus on new things and yeah um, he's he's felt like um he's felt like min max's older uncle um (laughs) like his a handsome uncle that isn't that much older than us i guess is the best way to put it because like he was a a huge influence on us and easy allies in general but like before we launched min max i called him up and i called up bloodworth from easy allies just to pick their brains and jones could not have been nicer remember sitting on my porch being super nervous um just asking him for all of his advice for launching a patreon and remember he had good advice about like look whatever you're doing just like chart your own path shake things up like don't call your patreon something dumb like Schmame shmimformer and like always be tied to the game former past and then I crossed out I think fun informer from one of my options. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you Jones. Um, and so yeah, he was super helpful. So huge tip of the cap to yeah to him and that entire team over there. I still love what they do for sure. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Bon Voyage. I guess yeah. he'll be missed. Um, <laughs> it
2: feels so...
1: Not a lot of people get, so like, massive.
2: retire from... Like, they usually just go into PR or whatever. But, like, yeah. it's cool people can, like, leave game journalism, like, on their own pace. Right. I mean, he's a young guy. It yeah. is wild
0: just to say, oh, I'm retiring. I'm really curious to see what kind of projects he experiments with. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If you can retire young... I know I would. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I'm leaving I mean, right now. I'm retiring right
1: <laughs> this second. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Um, that's it for questions. What do you all like for question of the week? Uh, I like the
0: is game development sustainable or not mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me mm-hmm. too. That's good. That's good. Um, look, I'm not saying it's not good. <laughs> I like the blank check for video games. Mm. Um, but you two are on the game development sustainability path? I yeah. think so, yeah. All right, there we go. Congratulations. I feel like that can be a whole podcast topic for all episodes that's right let's do it again (laughs) Uh, congratulations to mars barrow you just won uh the weezer vinyl from my that's a that's a cool gift. congratulations mars i'll reach out to you and get your info and then they'll ship that out to you um and now everybody believe it or not surprise imran Mm -hmm. it's time for a little something that we call get a load of this oh i did not prepare one of those at all yeah i sure didn't what are you talking about guys (laughs) <laughs> it's a get a load of this. Okay, well, you can just, you know, I'll, I'll filibuster for I a bit. C- I can find something. Okay, cool. Hey, get a load of this, everybody. Um, have you ever heard of phantom settlements? They are uh, towns on maps that don't really exist. And it turns out what it is, is it's cartographers would make these as copyright traps. So when they would make a map, they would add one town that doesn't really exist. And then if they see another map use that town they know that they just ripped off their town so they would see these little copyright traps right in in the work um and there was one small outlet are they called outlets uh of cartography and they made this map and it was of new york and they made up a town called Aglo in new york because it was like a combination of their names for the people that worked here like okay aglow new york sure i guess it's here whatever and then years later uh Rand mcnally released a map of new york and Rand McNally included Aglo on that map. Hmm. And so these people reached out and like, all right, Rand McNally, you ripped us off. You just fell for our copyright trap. And Rand McNally's like, no, 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 that actually exists. I'm like, what are you talking about? And it turns out that BP, the company, saw this map with an Aglo New York, and they were trying to figure out where to put gas stations. And so they said, Okay, I guess let's put a gas station in Aglo, New York. So they built out a gas station and, like, a whole general store in this place and called it the Aglo Gas Station, Aglo General Store. And then mm-hmm. that counted as a location that Ram McNally then picked up. So a fictional copyright trap became a real place, Leo. Ain't that funky? Wow. Funky. You're,
1: you're just looking at your phone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get a load of something.
0: <laughs> All right. You got
2: something, around? Uh, Get a load of this if you go down to the Expo Hall in GDC. And, yeah. like you. I'll, I'll probably tweet pictures of this later. There is a Humane Society booth, where they have, um, maybe not this late in the day, but earlier today, they had a a little pen of puppies mm. that you can go there and pet, and if you live locally, adopt. And I, that what? is, I think, probably the best booth at GDC, because you just go there, and you just go talk to puppies for <laughs> however oh long my you want.
0: gosh, if you aren't paying attention, GDC stands for gosh darn cute. <laughs> So you want to just read the first tweet you see, or?
1: Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, Madeline Albright is dead. She called, me, <laughs> she called me an anti-Semite when I was 17 to a packed audience. <laughs> At Mural Shop.
0: Hey, all right, everybody. Fantastic. <laughs> Links below for all these fantastic, uh, get a load of this post. Um, all right. Even that one. Even that one. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to probably the weirdest episode of the mid Show. Yeah. I feel like I got more comfortable. It was a little uncomfortable at first. Yeah, <laughs> but now, hell, we can do this all day. This is this is cozy I'm here. I'm chilling. Yeah. Yeah. This is wonderful. Um, Imran, thanks for being here, dude. Uh, thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, uh, you can find me on fanbite.com.
0: Yes. What else is going on at Fanbite? What, what would you be most delighted if people checked out and gave you feedback on?
2: Uh, ooh, okay. Uh, we have a podcast called Ninety Nine Potions, which is very RPG focused. Ninety Nine Potions. Yes. Awesome. I would like it if people listened to that and told me what they think. Uh,
0: Elden Ring focused recently
2: uh no we only had one episode of Elden ring which i was not on because i was busy reviewing the game okay but i think next week we're probably going to talk about stranger of paradise Ooh, because i don't you know GameSpot's michael hyam he is in love with that game (laughs) in a way that is like very shocking to me so like i've i've hit the download button on home on my home computer yeah so once i get like out of GDC. I'm going to play that probably all weekend and find out what on earth he's talking about.
0: It's a hoot. Yeah, Sarah Podzorski is streaming it on uh Twitch channel, so you can give us a follow there and check out her streams, because it's a beautiful fusion of Sarah's interest and an absurd game just aligning perfectly for really bizarre streams. This
2: actually might be a good get-a-load of this. Did, you, did you know that the reason that games, like, doesn't let it has frame rate issues is because they put in so many polygons in some characters' hair that it is causing the frame rate and resolution to tank. (laughs) So there are PC mods now to just make characters bald to like run the game at 60 FPS. That
0: game, I just hope it escalates and every week something new and bizarre is revealed about it to the point it's just like the ultimate Dada art by the end of the year. Like that is the course, I think, for Stranger of Paradise.
2: There's more polygons and a bat enemy in that game than there are in Kratos and God
0: of War. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That's, wait, the original God of War? No, the, the recent God of oh War. Oh my god. All right. Good times everybody. Games are cool up there. I guess it's a better game. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, hey, thank you so much, everybody for watching or listening. Uh, we have more stuff um, coming. Again, if you want even more recaps of the coolest panels and developer insight and if you're a fan of Getting Geeky, which if you've, if you've listened to this podcast, you know geeks. You appreciate geeks. Yeah, loser. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> oh. Anyways, uh, you can support us at patreon.com with the $5 tier and unlock the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed where we have the deepest dives, where we have Party Chat, or Patreon-exclusive podcast, where we have the podcast versions of Max Spoilers, early access to the Min Max Show podcast. What are you smirking about? You're telling me. Like, I don't already know. <laughs> I need to look at something other than just the mesmerizing pattern in the carpet. Yeah, so anyways, it's the Patreon-exclusive <laughs> podcast feed. But yeah, we hope you enjoy that that bonus podcast that Leo and I were recording in a wonderful hotel room. Um, but yeah, everyone, thanks for being here, dude. Thank you for having me absolutely welcome back whenever but remotely yeah you understand how it <laughs> yeah. works yeah yeah uh also thank you to everybody's sports at the 50 dollars tier the game champion tier sports in any tier sports at the 50 dollars tier i mean you can choose any game under the sun and then we will declare you as the champion of that game including miguel magi who declared we're officially declaring right now is the champion of tetris attack otherwise Panel nice. paneled upon one of my favorites congratulations congratulations the official game champion also what's this one ben reeves the champion of panzer dragoon saga <laughs> that was just a gift for him i guess wow it, so he left game informer to be a full-time champion that's right that's right that's awesome yeah, dream that's that so dream yeah. um also this is my favorite philly eat steak uh they could choose any game under the sun and they chose minority report colon, everybody runs <laughs> if you remember <laughs> wow. that game GameCube and ps2 generation and stuff so officially the champion of minority report everybody runs philly Yeatsteak. steak great choice great choice um all right that's it for this episode everybody Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week with a better sounding and, well, it's not going to be better looking because everyone's not going to be there. Look how <laughs> well-dressed this fella is. G GC
2: awards later tonight. Got to go suit
0: up. That's oh, right. Yeah. That's right. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Bye. I mean, be good, have fun. Let's go. <laughs>